to the Work Life Flow podcast, where we moms take the reins of our lives, explore our options, question the status quo, and demand more from society. Here we come together to tell our stories and share tears of frustration as well as tears of joy. But most importantly, we come together to inspire you to create a work life integration that works for you. So pour yourself your favorite beverage and come hang out with us. Welcome to Work Life Flow episode 43. Today's episode is such a treat. I've had such a good time interviewing Dr. Michelle Deering. And like I mentioned in the episode, it has been quite a challenge for us to schedule a time that would work for both of us. But I must say, I am blown away by her approach. And we connected on so many levels. And, you know, if my episodes haven't convinced you yet that being a mom or a parent is a leadership position, listen in. And if you're not convinced by the end of this, let me know. Share what is holding you back, what is coming up for you, and let's keep the conversation going. You can find me on Instagram at Kerstin underscore Kirchsteiger, or you can join our Work Life Flow Facebook group where we do have those conversations and discussions. Like I said, I'd love to hear from you. And another way of supporting my mission and, you know, helping moms step into the leadership potential and becoming embracing the leader they were meant to be would be by writing a review or rating this podcast. So it will be shown to more and more people. So don't forget to give it some stars or to write a little. I'd love for you to do that. That's it for announcements. Now let's jump into episode 43 with Dr. Michelle Deering. Welcome to Work Life Flow episode 43. Today, my guest is Dr. Michelle Deering, and she believes that every mother and daughter should have a thriving, loving relationship. This refreshing approach has made her a sought-after speaker, online educator, and consultant. Before running her online consulting business, Michelle served as a licensed psychologist and board-certified sports psychologist at a Big Ten university, Fortune 500 corporate trainer, and higher education professional. Nowadays, you'll find her speaking at conferences, training for her next Reebok Spartan sprint race, and practicing rudiments on her drum kit, all while coaching, serving clients, and recording her hit podcast, Mother-Daughter Connections. I'm so excited to have Dr. Michelle Deering on my podcast today because it took us quite a while to coordinate <laughs> this interview. So welcome, Dr. Michelle Deering. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me, Kirsten. It is an honor and a pleasure, and I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Yes, me too, me too. So like I said, I introduced you a little bit. Is there anything you would like to add? Or sometimes, you know, my guests like to add the story of how they came to what they're doing right now. Oh gee, that that's a a long story, but the the short end of it, <laughs> the short end of it is that I in terms of my work with mothers and daughters, that was kind of an evolutionary process. I got into psychology because I was fascinated with folks who and young people who were going through transitions in life. Fast forward, you know, I get licensed as a psychologist. I'm working with 
young women, young collegiate women, collegiate athletes who were having issues around eating. And so I got certified in modes of helping them with eating disorders. And as I would work with them, I started noticing that they would work with me for a semester, go home for winter break, encounter their families, and they'd come back. And it was like we were almost starting all over again in terms of the therapy that we were doing. And a lot of it centered around their relationship with their moms. And there's this joke within the psychology realm where it's like, okay, is everything Freudian and are we blaming your mother? Tell me about your mother kind of thing. But I thought, hmm, I'm not about blame, but there's something to be said for the dynamic that was going on between mothers and daughters. And so I started paying more attention to that. And through my work with them, and at the time was becoming a new mom myself, started realizing, you know, I need to look at my relationship with my own mom. And through a series of events, we ended up moving from New Jersey to North Carolina and we moved into a cul-de-sac where there were a bunch of younger moms who had younger children, boys and girls. But I noticed that the way in which the moms would interact with their daughters was really different from the way they would interact with their sons. And that started weighing on my heart. And I wanted to help those moms not repeat patterns that, one, I personally had experienced and didn't like, but then also would see the effect on their daughters. And so that's what prompted my writing the book, What Mothers Never Tell Their Daughters. And uh, since then have just really been spending time educating, equipping, and encouraging moms through showing them tools, specific tools and strategies around how they can build uh, and improve their relationship with their daughters. Because I believe that that mother-daughter relationship, because we as moms are are daughters first, so that mother-daughter relationship is the foundation for your future success, whether it's personally, professionally, or parentally. So that's how I got into this. I'd like to dig a little deeper into this. Oh, please, Um, dig, dig, dig. (laughs) (laughs) And it might come because I've just spent four and a half months at home with my mom again (laughs) and my whole family. So I brought my kids and I definitely noticed patterns that I was repeating. I noticed. So what are the, the main patterns or the main, you know, red lights that you could see go on or that you describe in your book and in your work now? Well, the origins of those patterns are different for everyone, but they're the main themes, if I had to kind of just put thematically, are around ways in which moms unintentionally, because I think moms don't get go into motherhood saying, I just want to screw up my, my daughter kind of thing. That, you know, we love our daughters. Uh, But I think sometimes we unintentionally repeat things that convey that to our daughter, either directly or indirectly, that they are either not enough, they're not good enough, or they're not doing enough. And that kind of weighs on us. And then when you factor in the different messages that women get from outside their family about what, quote unquote, motherhood is supposed to look like or what the mother-daughter relationship is supposed to look like, that just messes with us. And so I think it's very easy for us to unintentionally, you know, fall into patterns that were done to us because we don't know any better. You know, that relationship that we have with our mom in initially, that forms our sense of, you know, what's safe, what's, you know, secure, what's 
How are people going to respond to me? What's acceptable? What's not? You know, that's, that's where all those cues, relationship cues come in. And we just learn that more so by what actions are happening around us as opposed to what's told to us verbally. So, you know, the fact that you, when you said you, you know, your mom moved in and you just noticed <laughs> this stuff happening, it's likely because there's this uh, unresolved stuff that's happening between you and your mom that you guys haven't talked about, that you haven't dealt with, that she hasn't dealt with, and then feelings come up. <laughs> and then you're looking at your own daughter and you're wanting certain things, but you have this critical eye from your mom. When I say critical, I mean that she's just like observing what's going on and may or may not comment, <laughs> you know, or you, <laughs> you may have the conversation going on in your head and you didn't even know that it was going on in your head. So those kinds of things play into it. But mostly it's that unintentional conveyance of that their daughter is not enough, not good enough, or not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think in my case, it was more trying to help my mom see that there is another way of living. Like I wanted her to take ownership of her life, even even if it's later in life now. But mm -hmm. but so we had quite a few discussions, like you say, and, and where we didn't. What I really love about my relationship with my mom is that she trusts me. Like she says, okay, you're doing a lot of things different than I did. But she always had this trust in me that I did it because I knew what I was doing or what I, you know, I informed myself a little more, I think. Yes. Um, but I, I definitely can see that back then she couldn't do any other way. Like she, she was in a, the societal pressure on moms was way stronger than it Different. is now, I think. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the stereotypes were stronger. So in my life, and you know, that I want to, to teach moms or actually families as a whole that they can create their own family culture. And like you said, it is about showing them what is possible, showing them they don't have to do differently. They don't have to behave or, because I have a boy and a girl. <laughs> so right. I actually, for me, the, the journey started with my boy. And we very consciously brought in books with strong female characters. We brought in, in books about, you know, gender diversity and everything. So in that sense, I'm doing a lot of work. But like you say, I'm still worried because we have the books. We read them to my son and to my daughter. <laughs> but still I'm worried, what am I propagating? So um, how are you, like when you work with clients, how do you go through the process? A lot of the work that I do, I've taken, um, because I'm licensed as a psychologist in North Carolina and New Jersey, that's where I do therapy work with people who live in those areas. Because my heart is to reach more moms outside of the, just those two states, I have taken the educational piece out to actually walk moms through a process that I call the Life Mirror Remedy, where I take them through the process of basically looking at their identifying what's going on, prioritizing what's going on, then looking at strategies that will address the particular thing that's going on. And then I'm really big on boundaries, working with them to actually understand what boundaries they have had or haven't had and how to set up new boundaries, and then give them strategies for using the tools that they've learned through those first four parts 
to then re-engage with their daughters, re-engage with them in a way that's going to form a foundation that they can build on to have a healthier relationship. So that's the process that I I walk them through. And I tailor my work, especially in my one-on-one work with folks in a consultation role, I tailor that to address any specific things that they're that they're dealing with. So let's say for moms like me who think that they're very conscious <laughs> about it, what are some red flags? Like what could be a red flag for me to say, oh, maybe I would need you in my life and I would need to work on that relationship a little differently? Um, one, if there is any kind of pang of guilt going on, or if you're feeling torn in opposite directions in terms of what you've prioritized, that's usually a red flag. Or if whatever it is that you've tried and it's not working, and a lot of the moms that I've encountered and I've been working with recently are moms who say have daughters who are in the elementary school age and they see the, I call it the, the, the terror of the tween teen years. It kind of frightens them and they're like, I just want to be prepared. <laughs> So those moms will come to me saying, what can I do now so that I can still have this wonderful kind of relationship that I have with my daughter now, have it during the tween and teen years? And then I also get the moms who are in the, in the throes of the tween and teen years saying, she's not talking to me. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. What do I do? You know, we keep arguing and butting heads. I don't get it or I get it, but I don't know how to, to stop it. Those are the moms that I tend to work with the most. So what I hear you say is it's either moms in the midst where they are already noticing the relationship isn't the way it should be, or they're preparing for the age of basically the teenagerhood, right? When there's like this, I think it's a developmental process that's normal, right? The separation of the, from the adult. So those are the two. Those are the two. And then they're the splatterings of moms who I call them and I, I smile, my heart gets really warm when I say seasoned moms. The moms who are older and they have a, adult daughters who are moms themselves, but the seasoned mom hasn't figured out where she fits in her daughter's life. I get a, splatterings of those kinds of moms too. Yeah, I can totally see that relationship being interesting let's say yeah. <laughs> How, do, do you ever work with in-laws for example i've had a few of those come through my my doors that is a tricky one and let's just say there are moms who've come to me in that situation where i've actually said maybe no this is not the program for you in terms of especially if they're out of not in the state of New Jersey and North Carolina, because they have to be on a certain page. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to, to kind of give you a general summary of what that page would be because everyone's different. Let me just back up just a little bit. You have the mom, you have the daughter, and you have the daughter having her daughter, right? All within the same family line. When you bring in an in-law, then you're dealing with your husband's or your partner's dynamics. And that just adds another layer on things. And there have been a few moms in that situation where I've assessed, okay, you have the the mindset that will, will help you in this. But if that mindset isn't there, then I'm usually referring folks to local 
clinicians and things of that nature to help them with that first before they step into uh, the stuff. Because as I said, my, my program is very education-based. I call them reflection assignments. So you're reflecting and you're working on things and you're doing things in time, like real-life homework. <laughs> yes, and I can understand also because, like you said, you're bringing in a second family's dynamic. Like it's a different way, different patterns, different. So it's it's additional work, right? Yes, yes. And then, <laughs> but you said you work with boundaries. So sometimes I'm I'm guessing that even working with boundaries around themselves and their mother-daughter relationship, like towards their mother and towards their daughter, will already help with in-laws, I'm guessing, because once you, you know your boundaries, people will start to see, hey, this is a boundary and I'm not going any further. So I, I don't know. What I'm, coming, what I'm trying to say, I think, is that in any relationships, once one person changes, it usually has a ripple effect. Yes, it has a ripple effect. But one thing that I would also let folks know the flip side to that is the ripple effect is not that everyone will say, oh, you have a boundary. I will fall in line. One, two, three, four, one, two. No, that doesn't happen initially. What happens initially is they go say, what? Mm-hmm. Yes. What you mean? <laughs> and that's why I say I educate, equip, and encourage. That's where the encouragement comes in. It's like, nope, you still hold it. You got it. <laughs> this is the right thing to do, even though the messages are, the si- are, are coming at you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's the this distinction of having a boundary or setting a boundary and then holding it, right? The holding right. part yes. is the hard one. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> but doable. It's it's like you mentioned earlier, I'm also board certified as a sports psychologist. So I'm, oh, I'm an athlete. I'm always referring to the athletic side of, you know, it's like working a new muscle. When you go into the weight room and you lift a weight, okay, at some point, you may or may not feel a burn, but the actual lifting of the weight is tearing away muscle, things that you don't need, and it's giving, and when you have that respite time afterwards, it's giving that muscle a chance to regroup. And in that process of tearing away, regrouping, tearing away, you're actually building a a different kind of, of muscle. Yes. Yeah, that's a very nice explanation. Let's talk a little bit about work-life integration, doing all the things you do. <laughs> How did you manage, you know, integrating it with your family life? I love the fact that you say integration because you're actually hitting on a point where it's multifaceted. So for me, prior to me having our daughter, our twin daughters, I'm the mother of twin daughters, I could consider myself balanced, but and integrated. (laughs) But I didn't realize how much I was not until I had my daughters and I was working a very high-pressure job uh, as a clinical psychologist and uh, didn't realize that I was burning the candle at both ends. And so my, I was bringing work home and things were just not integrated. (laughs) My husband, who is my biggest supporter, would chime in. It's like, are you sure you still want to be doing that? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, we must, because we have bills to pay and da 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 et cetera, and so forth. And then finally, I, I hit what I call, some might call it a fork in the road. I call it a Damascus Road experience where I had, you know, I ended up in the hospital because my body just was not, it just broke down. I, I basically burned out and it was affecting me. I didn't realize that. And I 
had a choice. It was clear as day that I either could go the way I was going and end up six feet under prematurely, or I could go a different way and have a a wonderful life. And so I chose life, of course. (laughs) And when I did that, it actually helped me reestablish, one, what my priorities were, which I think is what integration is all about, is you have to have your priorities in mind, but you also have to come to terms with the pressures that are constantly pulling at you. And for me, I had to come to terms with, what do I think about those pressures? How do I feel about those pressures? And once I came to terms with that, it was very easy for me, clear as day, to one, start making the changes. I wrote my resignation letter. I decided, so I prioritized my body to put in a different environment. I prioritized my business because then I started asking myself, how do I want to have my business life go? And how do I want to service my clients the way I see as being helpful, not just to them, but also for me? (laughs) And then I also had to prioritize my boundaries again. It's like, okay, what are my new boundaries? Well, I'm prioritizing my body. (laughs) I'm prioritizing you know, how I'm going to go about my business. But then I wanted to prioritize my babies. (laughs) And so it was like, how, what kind of relationship do I envision having with them? And anything that would line up with that and the priority of my family, anything that would line up with that, that's what I said yes to. And anything that I, that didn't line up with that, that's what I said no to. (laughs) And it's been a process of revisiting that constantly as we've gone through their develop, different developmental stages, as well as our own family's evolution from, let's say, moving from the Northeast to the South here, and then, you know, establishing a life for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So it's very intentional and value-based. Yes, what, yes yeah, yeah. See, that, that's what, I, what I'm trying to instill in moms that are struggling with work-life integration, because I think once you get clear on your values, it's actually not that difficult to take those decisions. Like, where do I want to go? And does this help or does it take it away from where I want to go, right? So you have heard me say that I think being a mom is a leadership position and I'm still getting a lot of pushback. But I think what you just talked about is the definition of a leader. You had a vision, you had clear goals, and then you, you started working towards those goals. And by doing so, I think you were a tremendous role model to your daughters, right? I agree with you uh, in that. And I think that's where, why you and I hit it off so, so much the first time we met. Because when you said that that's what you believe, I was like, yes. I mean, leaders lead not just by what they say, more so it's by what they do. And when I look at that fork in the road point in time, my daughters were just entering fourth grade, fifth grade, so it was around that time. And, you know, looking at them now as 20-year-olds and the way in which they conduct, oh gosh, they are like so compassionately, but yet cut and dry about, I'm saying no to that. And yeah, I'm saying yes to this, but they know why they're doing it. And, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I think it's just because they've seen the kinds of things that I've done I haven't had to explain it all. I basically lived it in front of them. 
uh, and they've benefited from it. I mean, they actually noticed the difference between when I made that change and before, like before that and after that. They've commented to me, mom, you seem really less stressed. Or even now when I might get stressed because of different things I'm juggling, they will be the ones to say to me, have you done X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. That's right. You know, so they know. So I, I totally agree with you on that. And I love that they've become kind of your accountability partners now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because yes we, they do. I, I think we often underestimate how much they pick up from what we do. You know, we think saying this is how you're supposed to do something, but then us doing it a different way, we, we think we get away with it, but we don't. No, <laughs> we don't. No. no, no, we don't. And, you know, as you say that, I think moms internally somehow know this, that they don't get away with it. And it can sometimes feed into, well, this whole notion that, well, we need to be, we need to have it all together all the time and be perfect. But the op I believe the opposite. It's that when you feel like you're not, quote unquote, at your best, because no one's perfect, but we do perfectly love our daughters imperfectly, those moments of imperfection are actually moments where you can connect and make really cool new connections with your daughter. So if you can kind of see it that way, it will help really relieve your stress a lot and open you up to discover this new relationship that you have with your daughter. Yes, I love that you said that because I, I also believe that we can repair relationships, first of all, right? Like if we do something or say something when we are like, you know, I'm emotional intelligence practitioner. So I, I talk a lot about when we, when we lose it, when we flip our lid, we can go and apologize. We can repair the relationship, but also by us, you know, being open about when we make mistakes. It allows them to make mistakes. It allows them to take more risks and be okay because they, they know that we are trying. Like one of my favorite fa phrases with my son <laughs> was, this is the first time we're parenting. We are still trying to figure this out. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> so so exactly. we, we do a lot. You know, I'm a scientist too. As <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. And so a lot of our our home life is really sort of an experiment. We try, we see what works, what doesn't, and then we, we make small changes. So I think we have to give ourselves grace and, you know, to say we can get it right. We are human. And then just try to make the best of it. Like try to mend and try to, to be open about this. And I think it will, yeah, I think it, it's just giving them the permission to, to mess up and come to you and talk about it, right? Because that's what we want. We want to have that relationship where we can talk about anything and that they will feel safe to come to us. Yes, and actually that really describes one of the essences of a leader, say, of an organization. For them to be able to provide that kind of environment where the people who are working, not for them because that's a top-down, but working with them towards their vision, to provide that, that safe space for them to know hey, they can come and talk to you. We all make mistakes. We try, we reevaluate, we adjust. That's the quintessential a leader who can provide that kind of environment. Yes, absolutely. Safe space and inspiration. Yeah. Yes, yes. Cool. So where can 
my followers, my audience, where can they find out more about you? Well, they can find, uh, I would love for them to subscribe to my podcast, uh, which is Mother Daughter Connections. Uh, I know you'll have the link for that, but it's on all platforms uh, in terms of the podcast platforms. And then in my Facebook group, if you're a mom, because remember, moms are daughters first, so you qualify <laughs> to join my Facebook group, Mother Daughter Connections FB, as in Facebook. If you just put at Mother Daughter Connections FB, you'll find me there. And then uh, I have, if you're a mom who is butting heads with your daughter or you just want to improve your communications with your daughter, uh, I have a, a free PDF that you can download. Uh, it's a bit.ly link. It's bit.ly backslash less arguments where you can get this PDF and we'll actually give you some insight as to what's going on with between you and your daughter. And then there's an opportunity to purchase something at the end of that PDF where it will go into more details. There's actually a cheat sheet <laughs> that you can get that many people have found really helpful. Thank you. And I will make sure to link to everything in the show notes so it's easy to find. And yeah, I, I loved our conversation. I was so excited to have you on and it was not disappointing. I, I really, we really have a very similar, not approach, but a similar way of thinking about motherhood. Thanks for sharing your expertise here with my listeners. You're quite welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Work-Life Flow. As always, you can find all links and websites mentioned in the show notes. Make sure to get your copy of the four must-have checklists for kids so you can sit back and relax while they are getting ready on their own at castingkirchsteiger.com. That is www.kerstinkirchsteiger.com. And remember, keep being brave and share your story.